Welcome to Abstract Audio, the podcast presenting life as an abstract art form. The show that encourages you to perceive beyond the tangible, to extract the infinite from the finite, to see with the mind what you cannot physically see with the eyes. Oh, this? It's an emancipation. It's an exploration into areas usually overlooked. Explore with me on today's episode. A million haze, highs, and hellos, people of Earth and beyond. Welcome back to another episode of Abstract Audio. I'm Amber Janae, and hopefully you're here to partake in a unique cocktail of thoughtful ideas, personal experiences, and self-deprecating humor. No? Nobody? Okay. Well, I guess you'll just have to settle for whatever the fuck comes next then. If that hurts your feelings, take it up with me in the comment section. (laughs) So if you can't tell, last week's episode was literally centered on hurt, pain to be specific, and whether it actually amounts to purpose, pleasure, or anything at all in this reality for that matter. And fathoming that kind of transformative power just put me in this inquisitive headspace, you know? I got to thinking, can people really ever heal fully from their pain? Is there a finalized point at which you can say, hey, I'm fully healed, I'm all better? To speak on this, I have a guest here with us today. He's an amazing creative, a talented writer and photographer. Welcome to the show, Brandon Harris. I appreciate you letting me get on your platform and talk for a little bit, you know. The pleasure's all mine. How are you feeling today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. You know, ain't can't complain too much. That's so great to hear. Hopefully today's topic won't scare you off or change your mind about that. <laughs> I just wanted to bring you on because I know you have a story to tell, and I'm so glad we met because I honestly think you can lend a very unique perspective to this topic. So let's get right to it. So last episode, we were speaking on pain. And now I know everyone has their own personal relationship with pain. So I'm going to humanize you here for a minute. What's yours? What has been one of the most painful experiences of your life thus far that you're comfortable sharing with the audience, of course? Yeah, no, I'm very much an open book. So, you know, any pain. I would say, wow, probably losing my brother. When I was seven, he died in a car crash and then he didn't. The crazy part about it is basically he didn't have any like bruises or scars on him. He died from brain damage. I remember getting the call from my my stepfather, called my mom, and then, you know, took me to the hospital. And I pretty much like he was dying right in front of us, pretty much. So it was that I would say one of those crazy things where you think you're going to, you know, have, you know, your with you forever and him see you grow up and do all life things marrying see his nephews and nieces and stuff and then it's kind of weird being 26 now it's like my my brother hasn't really wasn't there for the big moments 
Yeah, I would say that. Wow. I am so sorry for your loss and that you had to go through all that. It sounds so traumatic, and I know it must have had a huge impact on you at such a young age. And how did you manage to get through that? Or are you still getting through it in a way? You know, that's super interesting that you said that. So my first coping mechanism was to, when I was in school, I watched this documentary. I'm a big documentary, but um, it's called <laughs> Loud in the Bomb. And pretty much Loud in the Bomb is a poetry festival in Chicago where a bunch of school, high schools come together. They compete with uh, their poems and, you know, just for bragging rights type of ordeal. And I fell in love with poetry that way. I started writing and I got a, made a club. It was a club. One of my favorite teachers to this day, he uh, created the club. He kind of trained me, like mentored me. And then we did, my school did Loud in the Bomb. In 2014, we did Loud in the Bomb ourselves. My second mechanism then therapy. I've been in therapy for about three years now. And it's really has helped me. I was in very dark lace, not only because of that, but for many other reasons. And with therapy, it's, it, it helped me put a light on a lot of things. And I, I knew I probably, I did, but my therapist kind of connected the dots where it might stem from. Mm. So I would say those two were, were my mechanisms uh, dealing with things. That is so powerful, especially considering the overall sentiment in the Black community towards mental health today. It's just incredible to hear how you overcame and molded that experience to your benefit rather than to your detriment. Of course, yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it wasn't that I was against therapy. I just never, like you said before, it's not common in our community to go to therapy. So my mom never, I don't think my mom ever went to therapy. Her mom never went to therapy. So I don't know none of my siblings that have went to therapy. So I'm trying to break that cycle of like trying to do better. I got a couple of life goals. I want to have kids and things of that sort. So I want to be better for my future wife and kids. So that's why I'm in therapy and just trying to stem through the traumas and heal, heal through within. So that's, that's pretty much Absolutely. where I. Absolutely. You have to. And there's almost a duty to do so because you know better. So you, now you have to do better, you know, to a point. I just love that you were able to express yourself in that way, you know, in that setting. And last episode, I was actually speaking on the fact that uh, for me, and I know for many other creatives like us, our pain very often transforms into art, right? That's how we express it. And that's kind of what makes an artist an artist. Uh, for me, you know, it manifests in, in forms of writing, poetry, uh, tattoos, et cetera. You know, and it's like creative expression. It really does lead to healing. And I just wish more people would tap into it. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I, to your point of getting a different form, our pain comes into different forms of our art. I love tattoos, a big tattoo buff. I have my brother's name on my elbow and then I have my grandmother's name uh, inside of my forearm, I could say. It took a lot for me to continue to move forward and not, not blame myself, but just get over it and, and try to move forward with my life. So it's, it's one of those things where I'm continuously going to therapy, talking about it, opening up conversations with other people about, you know, pain and, and family members and how does this make me feel type of idea? Because I was a kid, especially when I was, when it first happened, where I didn't talk, uh, when my brother died, I was mute. 
for like two weeks and it, it got bad. I got into a really dark place and it's, and it's, it's one of those things I'm continuously trying to talk about, get, get out of my system and always try to do things thinking about him, making sure that I do things that he would be proud. Of. So that's, that's kind of definitely one of my, my motivations why I kept going. Absolutely. You know, it, it makes sense that keeping their spirits alive like that would motivate you to stay on that healing path, especially with how hard life is. You know, it, it completely makes sense for you to have that kind of foundation to fall back on. Oh, yeah. No, exactly. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I Poetry has really helped different forms. I did drama. I did like I acted for a little bit. I bottled. It's, it's those self-expressions where that that just gets me out of my shell and also gets those emotions out. Uh I'm very I can be sometimes very like we not weird with my emotions, but just like kinda disconnected with some of my emotions. Ah, I love that you said that. <laughs> we'll get into that a bit later. But all those different art forms you just mentioned got me curious. So I was wondering if art is life, you know, like they say and, and vice versa, life is art. If you're doing, say, a painting, or in your case, you know, you're editing a picture, right? You kind of have to know when to stop. Like, you kind of have to assess the feeling it gives you and say, okay, it's just right. I'm going to stop here, you know, I assume. So do you feel healing is the same way? Do you think it's an ongoing process or something that has like a definitive end, like a stopping point? That's a great, that's a really, really great question. I'm happy you asked me that. I'm going to give the unpopular answer. I feel like it's both. I know, I feel like, I can only speak for myself, but I continuously think about my brother and my grandma every day. I try to do things and live and help and have them live green by the decisions that I make. I've never been a, a troubled kid or like got into trouble a lot. So... I, I bring that gratitude to my mother and then just knowing in the back of my head that my brother would want me to do this. Wouldn't want me to do this, you know, X, Y, or Z, or whatever the case may be. And then on the other side, I think it comes to the end because of the fact that at a, at a point where you can't just keep having that weight on your shoulders and keep having that, those, those negative thoughts or that what if factor in the back of your mind while you live your life because you start second guessing yourself you start doubting you start like having trust issues with people like certain things start arising where it's just like wow especially if you don't talk to people or like talk to a therapist someone you trust about these feelings they'll come up in ran random situations that just are inappropriate at the moment yeah i think it is definitely an end but it's also room for improvement as you keep going as you keep going through life and you get those resources for help, you, it gets that. And I, I mean, very much one of those people that didn't think that at first. I think of the, I thought of the worst. I was like, yo, like what, what can happen? Like well, everything else, the world is done. Like this is, this is it. World was destroyed. And then as I kept going through life and met genuine people and met my friends, I've, my friends became my family and became my brothers and my sisters because of the fact I had my brother. So I'm super, super, super big on family. That's so great that you feel that way because I, I think something similar. You know, to me, nothing ever really ends. Like 
even when people die, you know, the energy isn't just done and gone. It's constantly transforming into something else. Now, on that note, since healing has so much to do with change and you were able to release that weight you mentioned, do you think people can change fully through their healing process? I mean, like at their core, you know, I'm talking the essence of who they really are. Can deeply ingrained personality traits, like if you consider yourself, say, an introvert or an extrovert, does that truly change over time? You ask some good questions. So I'm, it's funny. So I'm naturally introvert, but I can be extroverted as well. I've been like this as a kid, but I'm very, I'm always been, the start. I've always been shy as a kid. Like I'm not, I've never been a super talker. I've never been like a spotlight, put me in the spotlight type of person because like my disability, little backstory, I, um, was, I was bullied in elementary schools. Kids are cruel. Oh, oh, yeah. You know, so I was always picked on in elementary school. So I didn't really talk much. I was in the background. Of course, I had friends and like, you know, people that really enjoyed my company, but it, it was still hard. So to your point, to your question, where can people change to their core? I don't, I would hope so. Mm-hmm. I, to this day, I'm still shy mm-hmm. and I'm still kind of introverted where I, if I don't know people, I, I am to myself, I only talk to the people that I know. I'm just, and I'm just really awkward. <laughs> like, I don't know how to really initiate the, Hey, I can do it on Brandon, but I'm very friendly, friendly to a point. So it's, it's always a, a never ending battle and struggle to get out of that mindset, but I would hope, I would hope people do change. Mm-hmm. I do think it's always a, a set, a hit of mm-hmm. who we were. So I, I really try not to hold grudges towards people, you know, because of that. And I'm friends with people that I would have never been friends. I we would never friends at high school or elementary school. And so weird because if you had told me that I was going to be friends with this person, my freshman year of high school, we, I would have laughed at you and been like, you're fine. <laughs> I would never lose this person, but like, we're really like the, these couple of people that became family to me are like my true friends. So, and it's some of these things that I just have to let go. People see me all the time and they're so surprised. They're like, Brandon, you're so like outgoing and talkative here. And I think they're so used to how I was when it met that they're so like curious on how, how I became this person when you were just like this at last saw you X amount of year. Mm-hmm. But they never truly knew you. And that's great. You were able to grow past that and grow past that herd and build new relationships. But I must be a little farther behind on my journey because it's no new friends over here. If you didn't fuck with me then, don't fuck with me now. I get it. I'm the same way. I And this is nothing but therapy for me. I am the same exact way to my core. I'm very, so my friends would tell you, I'm like the bodyguard of my group. I don't like, we're going to be 100% real. I don't like people. I don't. I just, I don't really like people. I don't like new friends. I'm very protective of of the people I love and care about. And when my friends bring new people around me, I'm very like, mean mug, let me feel your energy. Let me see what you're, what. Are you going to harm any of my people that I love and care dearly? And I'm very much like, let me test you and see what's up. Like, okay, you're cool. 
you don't trust you, because I don't know you, but you are allowed in my circle and you can allow, I can't interact with you and not get irritated or angry, like, you know, or fearful that you're going to hurt one of my friends. I even respect the way you feel on that because, you know, wars have been started for way less. You feel me? You see it today and like throughout history, like so many people holding grudges and separating themselves for such small things, such petty shit, like land, resources. And when you really think about it, that's one of the biggest reasons people find it so difficult to genuinely change their core beliefs and ideologies, like even political or religious views, you know? Not that I subscribe to a religion, but in those kinds of scenarios, people will go back and forth with you for hours. And, you know, there are some hardcore, diehard believers, fanatics out there holding on so tight to their views, afraid to give them up because they don't know who they are without them. Just like how some people are so used to living in a space of hurt and pain or toxicity that they've grown comfortable in it. They don't want to leave because who are you without that hurt? And I agree with you wholeheartedly, very much a person. I tell people all the time, and I have to tell like family members and friends, I'm not going to argue with you. Mm. I don't go to back and forth, angry. Uh, I'm not a confrontational person and or a debate type of person. I'm the type of guy that I'm going to say my piece and I'm going to stand on what I say. And as soon as I get a hint, you trying to raise your voice and do all this theatrical thing oh, no. I tell my I tell my friends family all of them I'm not doing it everybody else catching on a good day I might get exactly. I might exactly I, might. I agree with you and I feel you like when you're on that healing journey sometimes you can't always afford to spare that extra energy I feel you especially if that person you're going back and forth with is unhealed but like to me Healed or not, a murderer is always going to be a murderer. Realistically, you can make like an active choice not to kill, you know, not to do any more murders. But the damage has been done. You know, you'll always be a murderer. Just like sex offenders will always be sex offenders. That's why your ass goes on the registry. <laughs> a hoe going to be a hoe. That's why you say you can't turn a, a hoe into a housewife. Like some things are just in you. And I don't know if it's necessarily always as deep as, say, like genetics or like, you know, alcoholism in that same way. But that kind of stuff definitely plays a crucial role in defining our temperament, our tendencies, our behavioral traits. And while we can modify certain behaviors, we can't escape our genetic blueprint entirely. Oh, shit. Don't let the LGBTQ plus community hear me say that. Yeah, I can't help you with the LGBT. Yeah, I want no smoke with that. Right. But. I would say that I feel like it, to your point of the sex offender and home, quote unquote home, I think it's, it's very much so a an environment. It's how you were raised, your parents, your family. It's your environment. Like, no, I don't think a gang member wants to be a gang member. They were either brought up into it, meaning mom, dad, grandma, grandma, cousins, brothers, gang members. They were like, yo, all I know is Gang violence. All I know is that my family is a certain gang. So I have no choice but to join this gang because I was bred and raised into it. And then, too, it's the environment that you were in. No one wants to be from the hood and be in certain situations. If you are around people that are in that lifestyle or around a certain thing, you're going to either, you're going to want to adapt or 
either basically join into that just because of the fact that I'm around this all the time. This is all I'm used to. This is all I see. Now, granted, it's not always like that. I tell people all the time, I'm not a hood nigga at all. But I was around the hood. Like, I'm, I grew up around the hood. Now, I just had a hood parents that are way older than me and wasn't playing it. And I had other older fingers over life that steered me on the right path that I need to do, be in the streets and stuff like that. It was very much so like, I understand that. Though some of those, some of those things that you did talk about where it was like, if you're a murderer, murderer, he probably seen someone when one of his family members were incredible or is a traumatic response. Oh, for sure. Trauma responses are very real. PTSD is very real. And if we're talking gang members, I'm not afraid to shy away from the fact that race and race relations play a huge role as to why there's so many people in those environments and circumstances going through those struggles. We won't get too deep into it today. <laughs> but the point is, and also the best part about it is, you can always change your choices, right? At any point in your life. Do you know how they say the definition of insanity is continuously doing the same thing, expecting different outcomes? Well, shit, if you're not insane, you'll change. At some point, you have to. But how deep and genuine and lasting that change actually is, is debatable from person to person. But my friends are really those type of people to get me out of my shell because of the fact that I am very much so person of habit. I could be very used to something, a certain thing. And I need a person or people around me to be like, hey, we're going to do this crazy thing. Let's go. I'm like, ah, okay. There <laughs> I, I suffer from anxiety. So like when you tell me something I'm not used to or something that's out my norm, my body just reacts like, oh, here we go. Scenarios <laughs> Scenario start running through my head. Like what happens if this happens? And maybe I shouldn't. Go. Yeah. But my, it just comes with the trust and I trust my friends openly. Uh, and the person that your significant other you trust as well uh, or hope to trust. <laughs> right. But even when they're dragging you around, you know, on all these adventures at the end of the day, it's still an active decision. Like it's your decision, a choice like anything else. And I know you're big on consistency. So I'll say this. So healing is a process, right? Like even like when you think about it in terms of trying new things, like you just said, like say even working out, going to the gym, you have to commit to doing that every single day. Now, whether you go every day of your life or stop after you've hit a desired weight or muscle mass or whatever, that's up to you. But what would you say motivates individuals to seek out that personal change and transformation? Do you have to hit rock bottom? Do you have to experience pain to want to change? Um, I don't think you have to hit rock bottom to, to discover change. I think some people are more hard headed than others. Mm -hmm. And you have to hit rock bottom to be like, to get that wake up call. Mm -hmm. I think some people are just self-motivated. Hey, I'm not feeling the best. Maybe I need to change my diet. Mm -hmm. Hey, I need to get a little stronger. Let's go to the gym. You know, I don't have to go to jail five times, five times, you know, a week, five days out the week. But let's go like two days out the week and then start building that habit. Me, I need to hit for our bottom. I'm kind of hard. Beat this thing. I 
kind of need to hit run or play to make me be like, okay, let's do this. Hey, let's, let's buckle down because now I don't feel too hard. So, um, it's, it's always preferences. It's always like, what's, how are you to your core of like, what motivates you? I know why. Uh, and it's a, you know, and in my career, that's always what they talk You're about. You're one Yes. Yes. So, mm-hmm. Knowing my why, that's why I do certain things. That's why I try to incorporate different, you know, things into my life that will help me feel better and not even mentally, but physically as well. Um, and then with other people, I try to be around. It's also the community that you build. Uh, I have a bunch of, once again, my friends are very like-minded people. We're very like goal oriented, we're goofy, we're fun, we're fun around when it's time to play, we play, but when it's time to get serious and buckle down or something, those are they know how to be. Right. Um, exactly. You're right. And I know because I'm similar. <laughs> I'm in the same boat. In the past, I have not been the most self-motivated person. And I think it just takes a shock, you know, a shock to the system, not necessarily hitting rock bottom. But it takes something to rock you, you know, to say, like, what the fuck? You know, this isn't the life I want to be living or I just don't want to feel this way anymore. But, you know, whatever it is for you, it just has to push you out of your comfort zone, you know, because your comfort zone provides that sense of security and it makes it difficult for people to willingly embrace that change. Like I know for me personally, fear of the unknown was a huge thing because I have really bad anxiety, right? You know, that fear, it often trumped the desire for transformation for me. And that's something I had to get over. And it took time. That makes sense. Yeah, no, I, uh, the same way. My anxiety, I worry about big things and little things. So it can be like, hey, Brad, let's go to this location or this party and stuff like that. Now I'm thinking, yo, who's going to be at that party? I don't have a haircut. Why am I going out? Let me put a hat on. Let me, like, I hope nobody really looks at me because I look crazy right now. Like, and then even bigger things is like, like, where would I want to live? Like, can I survive by myself? Like, who would, like, marriage? Am I going to be a good husband? And my wife and kids are going to be put on. It consumes you. It really eats you alive. And that's one of the most interesting things about pain to me, though. And this goes for, you know, anxiety and depression, too. It's so all-encompassing. Like, even on a physical level, you know, I know we just talked about genetics for a bit. But when we experience pain, you know, that complex series of events occurs in our brains and nervous systems. Like, just the release of endorphins alone is so interesting because when you really sit and think about it, the body's first response isn't to transform or heal that pain immediately, nor does it have the capacity to do so. You know, it just first tries to minimize the effects. And I feel like that's how a lot of people handle emotional and other types of pain. You know, we try to downplay it. We try to dull the hurt, devalue our past experiences. So as an artist, how are you able to avoid just numbing that pain? Because to create great art, you really have to be able to feel. Yeah, uh, great question. I think uh, one of the ways that I use my art to heal is uh, I'll start with each one. With with poetry, I really try to be honest and upfront about one how I'm feeling, 
to, I write from the perspective of other people and then I write from like past experiences and just be very honest. Uh, I have this poem called Sing About Me that is about my brother and my grandmother. And it's, uh, it's a noir song and it's mixed in with the poetry, but it's, it helped me. It helped me a lot to heal. And it helped when I, when I recite, do my spoken word, a lot of people, it's been a lot of instances that people had walked up to me and be like, yo, like, I really need to hear that. I also can relate because I lost my mom, my brother, and my cousin, and I just really needed to hear that. Oh. And that's what motivates me. A lot of people carry raging. Um, with my photography, my grandmother, someone that's passed, used to take like Polaroid cameras, like throwaway cameras, and just take pictures of me as a kid. <laughs> and uh, it's so, she has so many albums of me, like family albums. She's like the family photographer. So, when I picked it up, I wanted to one capture memories that you know me and my friends can't last about when we're married, kids, or we old, you know, 70, 80 years old. We could go back and be like, "Wow, that was a truck." And then two, I I'm picking up what my grandma used to do, my family's photographer and stuff like that. So just making memories, having those memories that generations. Um, my family can look on. Uh, I think a lot of people don't have a generational thing that they're like, yo, like my family does this. Exactly. And good or bad, that kind of stuff sticks with you. That's why these generational curses we've been hearing about lately are so common. Uh, sometimes it really feels like all we're passing down in the Black community is negativity and ignorance. Uh, most of us are kind of just left to fend for ourselves. But you know what? On my search for ways to break that cycle, I stumbled across all types of stuff. Like, have you ever heard of Reiki healing? Reiki? I've never heard of Reiki healing. Yes. Yes. It's like treatments, alternative therapies, you know, that kind of stuff. It's like a form of energy healing where practitioners channel energy into a person through touch. You know, they already have like crystal healing and sound healing, like ayahuasca. There's, man, there's all types of ways to go about it nowadays. Would you ever consider one of those? Yeah, I would. I, I'm very open minded to a lot of things, so it wouldn't be foreign to me. Once again, back to my my other point, where it's like, if someone was to say, "Hey, let's do this," yeah, I'd be definitely open. To yeah, it. you say that. Okay, now don't just walk the walk. You gotta talk the talk. <laughs> no, but personally, I try it. You know, uh, but to be honest, I don't really like to be touched that much. But I have been wanting to try one of those uh, sensory deprivation chambers, like those tanks. I hear it's really life-changing. Uh, I'm sorry. So sorry to cut you off. And is that the one when they put like a bunch of water in like a pod and they like let you flip? Exactly. I knew it. I knew it. Yes, I wanted to do it, it so bad. That, that's super fun. Um, I'm not the, the best. Like I'll probably freak out because like water in me is... <laughs> Other traumas, but like me and water, we're not cool. Oh we're not best at it. <laughs> I'm gonna freak out, but I'll go. Right, like, I'm gonna have fun. I'll do it, but at the end of the day, I'm going to be like, yeah, I swear if I drown, I'm going to haunt everyone. Right. If I drown, it's fun. <laughs> Definitely sounds fun. But main point is, I hear it does get one to be very in touch with themselves. And I think like their feelings as well. And I just think everyone could use a little bit of that, especially nowadays. 
Uh, but, you know, a lot of these methods nowadays are like external, right? And to me, healing is internal and so very personal. Do you like you need outward help to heal? Or is it something you have to like solely do alone by yourself? I think outward help helps a lot. Mm. Now, if you want to go the eternal, I won't do it by myself. Right? Cool. I I don't like that. But I feel like it's way better just to do it out like, you know, have outside help because of fact you'll have a biased opinion uh, with my therapist. She don't know me for real. Mm-hmm. So say me yay or nay to nothing. So, um, and just have an outside solution. No one is not, not terrible to ask for help outside. Ab- and you don't know. Exactly. You know, you don't know everything. Mm-hmm. You know, you might feel this certain way. And this idea or ideology in your head, then you meet somebody from the outside source that say, that's not, that's not good. That's not, let's try this method. Mm-hmm. And let's give you these resources and give you these terminologies and videos to watch so you can understand, you know, whatever your problem is and to navigate as much as possible. That's my favorite word now, nav- navigating. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> it is a dope word. And I feel you on that, but I don't know, man. I say alone, like solo dolo, especially because, well, you know how they say, oh, you got to heal before you date. You got to heal before you have kids. You got to be healed to show up for your friends. You got to heal before you can even attract the right things in your life. So I feel like the more people come after, you know, I feel like more people come after. Uh, Certainly you can have a support system, a, a village. And you do need one to an extent. I'm all for therapy. I'm all for it. I get it. But I feel like it's got to be all you at the end of the day, man. I mean, it's one of the reasons I'm such an introvert because I feel it takes space and silence and time sitting in that to grow in that sense. You know, even when you're talking about like developing any kind of like skill, there's so many people in the world that have kind of untapped skill sets and untapped potential because they always have to be around somebody. They always have to be doing something with their friends. They're always going out partying. They're always doing this or that. They just they just don't know. And so many of them will probably die not knowing what they're truly capable of because they never took that time alone to themselves. No, yeah, no. I can definitely understand your point. Uh, we, there's a lot of people that, okay, so I'll even be real with you. I didn't know how to be alone. Uh, until in my recent relationship in 2021, I was very much so like, I didn't jump to relationship to relationship, but damn near. Mm. Um, I was very, one thing that my therapist has told me is that I was at the time, not anymore. I was very codependent. Mm. It just, it was bad. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, I think that it's interesting. I guess it's both. I think I, I would I would agree to your point where you need to learn how to be alone mm-hmm. uh, with yourself. I'm still learning. I'm comfortable. I'm, I'm 26 now, and I'm just now learning how to be alone. Mm-hmm. Like, I was never comfortable with my own thoughts and my own feelings. I've always wanted to be around my friend. Mm-hmm. So you was kind of talking about me with your, with your comments. But, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I... And finally, 
finally cool being alive with my space. I anyway in my space. So yeah, it's I I only come from the resource outside world perspective only because of the fact I've done the by myself solo dolo. Yeah. Nobody F everyone. And in heard only because I keep saying I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Yes. And in reality, I'm not fine. Towards my my exes, and I'm being not talking about my feelings. I'm lashing out at friends. It's no, it wasn't healthy for me at the time. Um, So when I finally found the resources to help me, it finally felt like I took control of my life. I could finally breathe and be who I want to be. There is absolutely no shame in any of that. You know, people always say how hard it is to be alone, right? But shit, it's hard to be with someone too. Either way you cut it, it's going to be hard. You know, life is hard. And that actually reminds me of this quote I heard a while back. Um, It goes like, the soul always knows what to do to heal itself. The challenge is to silence the mind. And that just really resonated with me because silencing the mind is equivalent to cutting off the ego, right? And that shit is hard, mainly because that's where your ego is rooted. And it's not a coincidence that that's where your depression, your anxiety comes from. It's all in your head. You know, you need to quiet the storm to heal. And it's also why one of my biggest pet peeves are people who are loud about their healing, right? Well, people in general, but... (laughs) And part of that comes from everything being so public with social media nowadays. You know, everybody's coming off as, oh, I'm so healed. I'm I'm so above this. To heal, you need to be doing this, this and that. Because, uh, you know, they are probably not really doing the real work behind the scenes. And now I don't really judge anyone. But if you're really doing the shadow work, you're quiet as hell warming your hands by the dumpster fire that is now your fucking life. And it feels like you're losing your mind because you are, you know, you're losing the part of you that identifies the most heavily with the mind. And I feel like you just have to be alone for that. But then again, misery loves company. So, hey, that's real. Uh, To your one point, I feel like I call them woke people, woke people, like irritating. I'm not going to lie to you. (laughs) I'm living a life. You teaching me something and trying to give me information. I'm always funny, but kind of like, or say, you ain't like beating me up with it. Like, well, go woke. I'm just okay. So third eye. Cool, bro. Like, move out the way so I can get my food. Like, this is really just trying to get better as a human, as as a person uh, in general. I don't think that a lot of people do it in there. And if they do, like you said, to social media, because they want to prog- broadcast it to the world that I'm healed. I'm on my healing journey. I'm doing this and that. Like, but if you really put in the work into your point, that you don't have to talk about it. Exactly. And if there's anything we've learned from the suicide rates in this country, sometimes the loudest, happiest looking people really be the saddest and the most lost. But hey, it's different for everyone. You know, everyone has different trauma, different triggers. Uh, but what I really want people to take away from this is that it's not about eliminating those things, right? It's just about recognizing and understanding them, reclaiming your story and liberating yourself from the same painful, self-destructive cycles. And it's a personal journey. 
<laughs> makes a lot of sense. And uh, yeah, just being okay with that, uh, with different trauma and learning how to like, I guess as I started to look past that, not even as I got older, but as I started maturing, uh, you know how much work it is to get to this space. Not all sunfire and rainbows and blind dumb self. Me too. You know, nobody tells you this stuff. I mean, it's an easy misconception and we've all been there. But hey, now we've grown and we all just navigating, right? <laughs> Had to use your word of the day. <laughs> I mean, it's definitely a lot of trial and error. But as we learn from your personal experience, it's undoubtedly worth it in the end. Well, I feel like that's a great stopping point. <laughs> Thank you so much, Brandon, for sitting in with us today. You were such a joy to have and your thoughts lent such valuable insight. Come back anytime. Any final words you want to leave with the listeners before you go? Tell them where they can find you and your work. Uh, yeah, no, uh, I appreciate uh, I appreciate uh, you being, being able to give me the platform just to talk to you uh, always. Uh, I do photography poetry i'm learning how to be gay so you can find all my information for real at uh my, my instagram at poetry by brandon uh, once again poetry by brandon uh no brandon is brandon with an a and a d-o-n so uh but yeah that's really about it see me up you heard him guys go support and you know the drill on my end be sure to follow us online at the abstractaudioshow.com or on Instagram and Facebook at The Abstract Audio Show to stay up to date and in the loop. And until next time, always appreciate the abstract in your life. <laughs>